0: Break media group JD is the founder of Madison and Mason. I'm so glad he found us. James is like Birdman, and I'm little and he is behind the scenes. And I do my thing. We get in this money, and we got it. Get- 2026 has been on my mind, and my motto for 2021 is don't be a dinosaur but stay ahead of the curve because sometimes we can live in the past instead of thinking to the future and this year is all about thinking about how we can prepare for 2026. I have a special guest, Kevin. He's local here in Rochester, New York. Um Kevin, what's up man? How you doing today, man?
1: Hey, Mason, great to be here with you. Um it's awesome to be talking about the future. I'm always always looking into the future as well, my friend. So I'm happy to be here and appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Um so to give the people the cu- context of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the future of HR and what would it be like. Um, but an icebreaker question for you, um, you know, just to keep part of the brand. What do you like to eat uh, for brunch here in Rochester?
1: Well, Rochester's got one of the best culinary scenes that uh, I think in the country, um, but uh, that's that's easy for us Rochesterians to say. Uh, but uh, obviously one of the best places that I think is Frog Pond down on Park Avenue um that's one of my favorite spots just because they're ex benedict and their corned beef and hash uh those are my two favorite probably brunch time uh dishes here in rochester
0: yeah man that that's a that's a that's a great place i went there once uh with one of my mentors and man the food is delicious man it is so delicious like it's ridiculous man so i for me um I'm not gonna pick a particular place, but um I usually get French toast. If I don't get French toast with sausage, egg, and bacon, um I probably would get some type of burger and put uh you know, egg over easy on that thing with, with bacon and all kind of toppings and you know, I always gotta have mimosa or some type of some type of some type of drink. So a little drinky drink. So <laughs> about the boozy brunch man yeah for sure
1: yeah the endless mimosas what you got to keep your eyes out for or the or the bloody mary bar
0: (laughs) that's for sure man um all right so let's kick into the topic at hand um hr so how did you get into hr like what's your path what's your story with with hr what's your background
1: uh, one of my favorite uh, recent things that I heard, Mason, um, was the crooked mile. Everybody's got a crooked mile. and That's kind of where we all land in our own lives. Um, actually, my friend, uh, John, was one that shared that with me, and I just thought it really spoke to me. So long story short, got my degree in biology um, from uh, SUNY Fredonia. Um, I had a wonderful opportunity to, to play soccer and sports up there and meet a lot of great people that I still am friends with today. The one thing that I did not do, Mason, though, was uh, networking. Um, so I thought I was going to be into healthcare. I really enjoyed uh, working with people. Um, I got over a thousand patient contact hours right. um, over the summers. Uh, and what I really enjoyed is working with people and seeing like how you could help uh, progress them uh, moving forward. You know, it was just, exactly you, you got to see somebody that was broke and you got to fix them and walk, walk, them walk out the door. And that was just something that that really I thought was a, a passion of mine. Um, For sure. Fast forward to. Uh, My first career, I was actually shining shoes at uh, Cobblestone Creek Country Club for a lot of rich people. Uh, So I never thought with a college degree that I would be shining other people's shoes. For for whatever reason, my guidance counselor didn't uh, fail or failed to mention that. Um, And then I got my way to sales and really found uh, an opportunity at Toshiba Business Solutions where I really enjoyed myself and learned a lot. Um, and then started working in the HR world, um, shortly after, uh, about after six years of, of, of selling, slinging copiers, um, and really just saw how broken HR really was at the end of the day. It right. was, um, as it, it was my experience that HR was kind of that redheaded, ugly stepchild. If they were over mm. by your desk You knew you were in trouble kind of thing. Oof. Um, That's how I was perceived. How I perceived the the role until I kind of started working here in my current role as an HR technology and strategy consultant. Right. Um, I quickly realized how how that was the wrong way to view HR um, and why HR needed to be more in a strategic light rather than a tactical. Um, so it's been an awesome, awesome journey. I really enjoy it because, again, at the end of the day, it's your opportunity to really, again, help people. Um, so I've, I've really found a passion in HR and I'm, I'm, I'm infatuated now with HR analytics and workforce data uh, because I think it's a, a wonderful opportunity for organizations to finally show why a strong HR, strategic HR department is so essential with uh, today and even 2026, like you said. <laughs> right.
0: Right, man. You know. I appreciate that you, that you shared that because I do feel that um, based on what you said, like in things that I've I've seen and heard, like there's like a quote unquote stereotype with HR. Like, like you mentioned like, oh, you know, they come near your desk. Like, so just for people in general, most people that's listening, they know what HR is. But I do kind of want your thoughts on the definition of HR because like most people think Oh, HR, that's just somebody that hire people and fire people, right? They, they think of the beginning and the end, but they don't know the in-between. You know what I'm saying? They don't know the behind the scenes. They don't know. And from what you can share, like, besides hiring people, recruiting, and firing people, having to let someone go, what is HR all about? Just curious, is your your thoughts on that?
1: I think that's a phenomenal question, because, again, before I stepped into this, that's, that's how I too viewed HR. Honestly, if I knew I was in trouble or I was getting written up, pink slip, like that's the only time I should see HR, right? Or when we're talking about open enrollment, about the benefits. Um, and it's been my since stepping into the role and really having these thought conversations with some of the thought leaders and human resources throughout our area and across the country due to the pandemic. It's been awesome to really hear how they uh, feel like they're viewed. Um, so they really feel like they're more um, tactical. They're viewed as paper pushers. They're viewed as data entry specialists mm. um, to really just kind of move information, um, ensure people are paid on time. Um, again, a lot of the more tactical functions of the day-to-day job, which is really difficult. I mean, and, and we got to give credit where credit's due. They, they really shouldered a lot of the burden through the pandemic. They had to have a lot of those tough conversations mm furloughing people. I, I, and, and we've seen now that I think a recent study that I just read that 90% are, are stressed at an all time high. Hmm. Um, they don't know where to turn. Um, and this is an opportunity, I think, at, 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 and due to the pandemic and, and the opportunities that's created is that new jobs, um, 85% of jobs are, they're going to be rewritten by 2030. So HR Man. needs to be in that strategic light. Man. Um, they just are still viewed as more administrative tasks. Another fun fact, 60% of CEOs still see them as administrative. Um, so it's really flipped in that script and inverting maybe that, that hierarchical pyramid um, that we've seen time in time out and, um, where HR can kind of really start to take back and and start working for the people. They're in a really tough spot, Mason. So they're, they're, Mm. they have to appease the people. They have to appease external marketing, internal marketing, and then also answer to a C level executives. Um, And in the past when culture and those types of terms, like engagement, culture, and now the same term here in 2021 is resilience. Like those are fads, And um, a lot of times there's not a associated dollar amount, or how that has a positive impact on the bottom line. So mm. they're they're kind of in this limbo of of serving both both internal and external partners and, and really challenged, I think, to uh, to really show how they can provide value to the bottom line of the organization moving forward.
0: Wow. Yo, so thank you for sharing that. Cause like honestly, I've never been in an HR role. You know, I've been in sales roles, marketing roles, operations. That's kind of been my last eight years. Um And so my heart goes out to those in HR, especially now, you know, with the pandemic, like, you know, who wants to really furlough somebody who really wants to let someone go? You know what I mean? But with the pandemic, you know, a lot of companies, you know, they they pockets have been hit, you know, just to be full of, you know, to be blunt about it. Um, Everyone I mean, some some markets have like, you know, Zoom. They've they've skyrocketed. There's different industries or different um, companies where um, they've seen an uptick. But for the masses, from a macro perspective, most companies have been hurt um, by quarantine. And so, you know, ha- have to have to have that conversation like, hey, come in office, you know, and now this is somebody you work for, whether it's six months or six years and have to have that tough combo. Like it's, and, it, and it's not like, oh, I don't like you, or this isn't it isn't a personal attack on that individual. It's just like, hey, company is hurting, Okay, I let you go? And it's like, um, I am curious though, as to when, like you mentioned, like 2030 20, 20, job titles are gonna be different, different things are gonna be different. Um, and so with the future of HR, I'm curious as to, hmm, in 2026, 2030 are most people gonna be self-employed? Are most people going to be freelancers? Um, or um, I know like, uh, I'm not gonna mention the company, but um, there's a company that has, uh, I think it's the chief heart officer, which basically means basically like a a C-suite level of HR, basically. That's basically your position. And I'm seeing more and more companies have a vice president of people or VP of HR because I feel perhaps that like traditionally, perhaps HR isn't thought of as a C-suite level. Um, It's thought of management, um, director at most, but now like you've seen VP, so, like, just in general, um, what do you feel the future of HR will be? I know you you talked about 2020, 30 and job titles, but just in general, what do you feel like will be some of uh, some 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 adjustments or changes or uh, you know things of that nature?
1: Again, great, great, great question. Um, so, it's funny You mentioned the chief people officers and some of these new titles that are getting thrown around. Um, I think it's I think it's uh, organizations and businesses that are trying to show that they're committed right to their employees, um, their workforce, and have a strong relationship with HR. Um, but what it has been my um, professional opinion that when you go and still have these conversations with these VPs that look like they're senior level leadership, they still um, are very viewed as a tactical uh, function within the organization or administrative. Um, and, and that disconnect Mason is, is really the challenge for HR because they're disconnected from finance, disconnected from sales, they're disconnected from the CEO. The CEO wants to turn the bus left and all the talent that they have in the, in the, in the seats right now, are still going right uh, it really is limiting on on how quickly that that business can, can change directions. And Mm. and, I mean, the pandemic taught us like if it didn't teach us anything else, like things can change on a dime Um, and organizations really need to find that balance. Um, I think a balanced approach between efficiency and effectiveness is essential. Um, But finding that balance for organizations is a challenge. Um, So to answer your question, kind of what I see the role of HR is that they're going to have to be reinventing, um, what the work week looks like Um, offering flexibility right now is proven to be King. Hmm. Um, Those organizations that can allow employees to work remotely um, are having an easier time. And by easier, I mean, it's still very difficult, but um, kind of bringing on um, and recruiting some of those work from home environments. Right. Um, But, Let's face it, like the United States we put such a focus on work. Um, if you've ever traveled abroad to Europe, you see a very different mindset in their view of work. Um, and I would right. I'd be willing to step out of the box here a little bit and say that we work, the United States is probably headed more towards to that European model. Mm-hmm. I think when we've all kind of been self-isolated this year and we're all kind of uh, in our own worlds and really have seen what a balanced uh, work-life balance uh, looks like. Yeah. I think you're going to see the, the shift from working to live to, to, or from living to work to working to live, mm-hmm. um, just like the European model. So Thanks. undoubtedly, like you said, is, are people going to be more freelancers and independent? That was a trend that we were seeing and identifying even before the pandemic. Right. Now, this obviously, True. I think we'll jumpstart that even faster. And especially like we were talking earlier about the furloughed employees, like a lot of the furloughed employees were the senior level leadership, those that have been with these organizations for the longest time, because that was mm-hmm. the most effective way to quickly downsize and get the budget back in order. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of top level talent that is out in the market and people are just struggling to find it and struggling to attract it. Um, so I, I definitely think the view of HR needs to be more strategic. They're going to have to get out of the communities, get into these school districts. Um, I just heard of a company here locally that hired a K through 12 specialist in their HR department to actually go out and educate. Um, they need almost like a seven year plan. And the challenge for HR recruiters right now, too, Mason, is they're hiring for skills that they don't need today, but they're going to need in the next five years.
0: Copy. So what, what types of
1: characteristics and what kind of traits are you hiring for today that might not be necessary for the world that we're in right now, but as quickly as the world of work is changing, you're also hiring for, for five or seven years down the line. Right. Um, and a lot of those talent pipelines or talent funnels, similar to a sales funnel, have just been decimated because of the furloughs. So now organizations are really need to put a focus on who they're bringing in and how are they retaining that talent and how are they really developing those individuals to become future leaders?
0: Right. Yeah. So like, I appreciate you said that. I like you, how you said efficiency versus effectiveness or something like that. And um, (laughs) yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and like, you know, like I, I I've thought about that. Like, I forgot the terminology, but I know there's like some, I don't know if it's local or uh, in other countries, but like some places have like, oh, you have a four day work week. Um, I, I forgot the name of the, the, the methodology, but some is like, okay, you don't have a particular schedule. You get paid a salary, but you, as long as you get your projects done, it don't matter how much time you work. It's not the time you put in. It's, the value you're giving to the company and making sure you executing the task and doing it, doing it well. Um, so like, I forgot who she was, but I remember, um, this one lady, she was traveling, you would thought she was on vacation, but while she was like, you know, let's say she lived in, I'm just gonna make this up. Let's say she lived in Chicago, but then she travels to Denver to see her family but she's still working like, you know, she's she's getting her tasks done and this, that, and the third. Um, And maybe she set aside three, four hours to work. And then now she's spending time with family, but she has that flexibility. Um, I'll have to look up the, the, and then when I post this episode, I can, you know, make sure that I'm uh, communicating effectively. And like, I do see that there, I I do feel like there's going to be a shift. Maybe it won't happen particularly in 2026, 2030. But I do feel like there will be a shift, like you said, a focus on more of a work-life balance, because I think this gave us, even though it's unfortunate that this happened, I feel like it, it gives us an opportunity to, to reflect on what's really important, you know. Um, and with, with this, I feel like it, it's going to cause um, positive disruption, you know. Oh um, god, yes. Yeah. You know, I mean
1: just to just a piggyback off of that real quick, like before the before the COVID 19, right? Ever, the number one priority of business was what? Profitability. Yeah, making money. Now we're starting to see that shift where HR was really sitting on the bench before. Um they were tapped on the shoulder to come in and do the dirty work. And now you're starting to see a shift from like Siemens and Google and Twitter and some of these big national brands where they're really focusing back on people. So right. I think to your point, Mason, you're really going to see that it's going to move fast. I tell everybody like be prepared for the war on talent because money and compensation <laughs> only gets you so far. I mean, I just right. drove by a fast food restaurant the other day and the, the starting wage was fourteen, mm-hmm. $14. fifty an hour. Right. Now, if I'm comparing that job to one of the jobs at one of the senior living facilities, let's say, where I'm lifting people or uh, maybe at one of the nonprofits where you're you, sometimes you have to restrain individuals mm-hmm. like Right. If I'm 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 110 pounds soaking wet, like what is that's a pretty easy decision for me. Right. So it's really our opportunity to really put the focus back on people and what's most important: flexibility, family benefits, ensuring that their health and wellness, financial stability. Are those? If you do that, if organizations are uh, like focused on diversity and inclusion, is the other big piece. Like if they make that commitment, make that draw that line in the sand, they have to be bold right now. They have to be different. Right. Otherwise, it's white noise and it's going to be a, it's going to be a numbers game. And, and I don't know how much how much higher they can go in an hourly rate, almost like a tick for tack uh, approach before <laughs> they kind of are like, OK, what else do we have to do? Um, and Great. I think so many businesses right now are trying to jump on fads. That's why I talk about diversity, inclusion, and why workforce analytics is so important. Is there's a lot of organizations, Mason, that you know that talk a big game? They'll put somebody in the role, and then yep. really no systemic change has ever happened within the organization, anyway. So Thanks. it's our opportunity, I think, to, for people to really take back what's what's important in our own lives, and uh, again, shift that focus, like you're saying, back to working to live, or yeah, li- working to live instead of living to work
0: yeah and just to go along with your point like um uh this this future generation because I'm, I'm a millennial <laughs> uh and you know i have younger sisters and then um you know younger cousins and then um there's different people that i've met on clubhouse and then just people in rochester and then i have um friends in buffalo syracuse new york city and then you know i got some friends in canada stuff like that too and also got family in other cities but what i'm noticing about gen z in connection to what you're saying is when i talk to them they say i would rather work at a company that i'm happy at they like let's say you know one that offers me 60 grand and the other offers me 40 grand, but I feel I'll be happier with the 40 grand. I'm going with 40 grand. Um, and I think I don't know if 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 you know CEOs recognize that, that it's it's about, yes, people want to make money and you know, things of that nature, but then you have like documentaries like The Minimalist, right? There's so many different things that people are like, you know what? I wanna focus more on being happy versus how much money i'm making because um traditionally you know making money was number one like you mentioned ceos focused on making money people focused on making money how can i make the most money now it's how can i be happy and gen z is kind of like that's what i want i want happiness and it's like okay there might be a paradigm shift and people might be like wow like i just offered them 60 grand and they they didn't take that like what um so definitely appreciate what you're saying. Um, now, here's the finale question for you. And we're going to niche this question to, to HR. I, I usually keep it broad um, and let uh, whether they're a career person or an entrepreneur. But um, when it comes to HR, you know, because there's a there's a saying. You know, it ain't it ain't it ain't personal, it's just business. And then there's a hashtag on on LinkedIn Business is personal. Um, so, when it comes to HR, is is it just strictly business, or is it business personal, or is there a little bit of both? What's your What's your thoughts on it?
1: Uh, fantastic question. Um, so, I think it's a little flare of both, Mason. Right? Um, HR answers to the people, um, but they also need to also, uh, uh, answer to um, those that um, are on the boards, uh, the C suite. Um, those in executive leadership as well. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think the, the challenge is that HR on, can speak people, they can talk in those types of uh, conversations with those types of uh, individuals, mm-hmm. but they really need to relay that message up the ladder um, to to the executive level. Right. Right. Um, Because you can't do everything. You can't go for that tick for tack. Like I mentioned, uh, money is only, uh, I'm in sales and I'll be honest, money is not one of my biggest motivations for what I do and why I wake up every morning. I think, it, it, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for HR to really see that there is a business case. Um, they can add a positive light to the bottom line. And again, to go back to the workforce analytics, that's our way to start talking in numbers, mm. so they can give the sound reason why building a culture is important, or why offering additional health benefits is important, um, and really breaking those down, those barriers where again they've been behind the black curtain for so long right, <laughs> to really right. bring them out to light and start allowing their voices of their employees to be heard um, and I think when you take care of your people the profits will take care of themselves
0: yeah I I definitely second that because it's like you know people are a priority and I do think that um, HR is put in a tough spot um, of, of okay how do I make the people happy how do I make the you know what I'm saying it's kind of like you're a liaison you're kind of like an ambassador um, but I feel like it can be done. And, you know, some companies locally are, are thriving with that. And some companies nationally are, are, are thriving with that. Um, and one last thought, because I feel like it's, 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 um, it's a tough one. It's a tough situation when, when a company has to decide to furlough, when a company has to decide to downsize when a company has to, you know, let someone go, you know, when some, when that happens to the individual, no matter how gracefully it was done or said, um, I guess, what words do you have to someone, whether it's perspective, advice, comfort, however you want to put it, what would you say to someone like that? Because like, you know, with this, a lot of people who are um, on employment and things of that nature, what would you say to someone like that?
1: Yeah, so two, twofold. First, when a company has to furlough and have that tough discussion, Mason, um, it's that company's opportunity to shine. Um, it's that opportunity to really help that individual in their next endeavor, whatever it might be. Um, I think the rule of thumb that everybody knows 10 people, right? So if I know 10 people and I bad mouth about my experience at your organization, 10 other people, they know 10 people pretty quick. It gets out to about 100 plus people very fast. Um, so organizations cannot discredit that they need to enable and help their, um, these individuals that are going through that tough time and really encourage them and maybe offer assistance in finding them their next job. Now, if I was a furloughed employee, um, I've been lucky here at, at my role at ADP that, uh, I have not been furloughed. Um, right. but it's our opportunity to really engage with the community. I think it's your opportunity to grow outside your comfort zone, meet new people. Um, LinkedIn. As Mason, how you and I met. I mean, it's a wonderful tool. Uh, the world's your oyster. Okay. And uh, really committing yourself and asking questions like, how can I help? Or what what types of uh, jobs would you recommend for me? It's all about knowing people. And that's what I quickly realized after, after my shoe shining days after college was it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And that's very, very true, especially here in Rochester. Rochester's a small little city. I, I always joke, it's like one to two degrees of separation. So Get outside your comfort zone. Learn something new. Um, focus on what skills are going to be important down the road. Uh, we're headed towards the, 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 unfortunately or fortunately, whatever way you look at it, that data, analytics, AI, that's really the future. Um, but if you're committed to, to learning and trying out new things, undoubtedly, I think there's going to be a, a plethora of opportunities um, that are already out there. Uh, but right. uh, more more to come, especially by 2026, I'm excited to, to see how many people's side hustles and they have. Right. full-time jobs, man, like three side hustles. <laughs> It'll be really hey. interesting to see how the world of work changes. But um, right now we're in a talent war, so get out there and look and have fun doing it and meet new people.
0: Yeah, man, I'm excited about 2026 too, man. Um, it's going to be interesting how things turn out 2026, 2030 um Thank you so much for being on the show, man. Uh appreciate you. And, um, you know, thanks for coming, man
1: yeah man hey I, I, when you asked I, I was more I was more than happy to on my second one so I hope I uh, did not sound too too bad but um you're a, you're a gentleman and a scholar like we always say Mason you, you got uh, this is an awesome series that you put together and can't wait to promote it uh, so we can get the the word out on what you do and how you promote individuals and people I think it's awesome appreciate that man
0: the lunch break media group JD is the founder G. Madison and Mason I'm so glad he found this seat. Like Birdman, and I'm Little Wayne, and he is behind the scenes. And I do my thing. We get in this money, and we gotta get this bag. Are we scaling to the next level? You don't gotta ask. We get in this money, and we gotta chase this bag. Are we scaling to the next level? You don't gotta ask. The lunch break